Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Brokers and Booze. This is episode 5454. And I am Nick Sowers with Beach Connection Realty, accompanied by Billy Ape Sands Realty. And Chris Ward with Eagle Realty. So today we are going to be sipping on some scissor. So we'll be drinking above our pay grade. We are definitely <laughs> way above our pay grade yeah. tonight. Like we are going billionaire status. So we well, I mean, I've got some guys around town that um, kind of keep an eye out for some exclusive or rare, especially bourbon, scotch, whiskeys, tequilas, things like that. We may held this aside. It's called an orphan barrel. I love that you have a guy. You have a guy. I got guys. Of course he's got guys. I got guys. Of course he's got guys. It's the muckety muck. Muckety muck. Single green scotch whiskey. It's 24 years age. It's 90 proof. Man. I'll tie you down. All night, baby. I don't know a whole lot about it other than I kind of went on there and I was told the pig on the front. And there's a whole story, I think. Because yeah. it, it used to be a pig farm on where they actually the distillery sits, but there's it's a scotch, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. Scotch so it's Scotland, whiskey. 1810. They opened the distillery. I saw that. On yeah, 1810. Wow. This might be the oldest thing, oldest like yeah. origins we've drank. I don't know. Stella Artois, the other episode, 1366. <laughs> no, but that's the town, not the specific origin of beer brewing. Origin of beer brewing. So yeah. 24 years age. I would agree. So the the pigs got different color scarves. You know, some plaid. This one in particular is blue, which I hear is the rarest. Um, hmm. Dropped a. It was about. What's two, this run? About two thirty. I thought he said it was two fifty. Plus tax. <laughs> <laughs> Myrtle Beach tax at that probably ten percent, baby. Um, so I just decided to crack it open. I've had it for a couple months. So two, so two fifty, you got it for two thirty, two fifty, yeah. you got it for. Oh, so like, one. a secondary this is market. The first single grain scotch that this place ever made. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so this in a bar, like this glass that we're drinking, is oh. probably a fifty dollar pour, sixty dollar. Yeah, pour. my experience. Yeah, one ounce. So this pour, <laughs> I did a. Uh, I did about a two and a half ounce pour, so probably. Oh, that's probably close. Oh gosh, yeah, maybe a bar, like yeah, a maybe a hundred dollar pour. Just sip up. Hundred dollar <laughs> pour on a. Sip. Sorry, I tend to go a little heavy, but I didn't put any rocks in this one. I just kind of want to taste it for what it's worth. Yeah, I could, I could, I could do a big bourbon ball in this. I mean, honestly, but I just like cold. I like cold drinks. Butterscotch from the nose, vanilla on the vanilla. Nose. If you get past the alcohol, it is yeah. it is ninety proof. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you get so past the alcohol a little bit. Oh well, yeah, what's what's normal eighty? So a little bit potent. Cheers! So cheers! Caramel. Cheers! Okay. The caramel on the front definitely has Silence. a bite. Definitely has a bite. I didn't feel the bite. <laughs> I'm not a Scott oh, drinker, oh, so I probably that's, feel the bite more than you guys. So do. that's why Chris feels the bite on tequila, and Nick feels the bite on scotches yeah, and bourbons. Yeah. This Makes is sense. interesting, Bill. I'm reading the side of the bottle here. It says every orphan barrel whiskey is meticulously bottled with pride to ensure that these rare whiskeys are treated with the care they deserve. Because once they're gone. They're gone forever. Forever. <laughs> so think about that. We're literally like, drinking some history here. So we might not ever be able to get another bottle of this ever. I've never seen it in my At entire least life. this one, the 24 year, this blue bottle, like, yeah, it may be super unique to us. Wow. 
I might have to Google it, see what's going on. But um, they also say they pride themselves in rescuing lost barrels of rare and delicious whiskeys hidden away and long forgotten in storehouses around Scotland. Wow. Let's go to Scotland. Why would anybody forget Let's a whiskey bear? Somewhere. First of all, why would we forget? <laughs> <laughs> that should be all top right. priority. Yeah. That should all be right. If we have any international listeners <laughs> that are out there and they know about some forgotten, we will gladly fly to you to come like, hey, try your forgotten barrel. Here's what's going to happen is that we talked about in the uh, previous episode going to Oktoberfest. Oh, we go we're just going to swing back through Scotland on a little bit of a Scotch Scot- tour. Oh, it's going to oh, be yeah. Scotch and golf all day, boys. <laughs> We go to Scotland, Scotch and golf all day, all yeah. day, so all day, all day. We could be like <laughs> the Jefferson's Ocean series, where we just cross the continental United States, or yeah. the equator several times. We visit mm. twenty-seven different ports. My wife's gonna eat fourteen me. different countries. <laughs> My wife's like, gonna all eat the trips we've made. This is like a year calendar, <laughs> like three sixty-five. to hate me. Yeah. <laughs> Bill said we had to do it. Brokers and movies. It was already booked. Sorry, hon. Gotta go. Traveling abroad, <laughs> just broadening our sense of palate. All well, right. I think it only it only makes sense in the future of Brokers and Booze that we end up where the booze is made. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you got to experience yeah. the full thing. Yeah. I mean, Italian wine. You got to go to Italy. Yeah. Tequila. I know we import a lot. Mexico. We need to go check out. Yeah. I mean, where where their home Scotch. Scotch. Where they're birthed from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, would you recommend this? I mean, oh, not, not not if you don't got a fat wallet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, for the price, I think we've I've, tasted. I've some. tasted some more. Bill, you you yeah. might have a more Scotch palate yeah. than Chris or I. As Scotch specifically, I think you're more bourbon, aren't you? Chris? Probably, yeah. I don't yeah. do it. So you remember Scotch palate, like. Does this taste higher end on the scotch end, or does it taste middle of the road, low end? What's you know, for me, I'm like? used to seeing them all scotches, and, and they're a little bit drier. They're a little bit more floral, I guess, you know, yeah. space side or... Um, so the fact that this is... This has so it, much this is, fruit, caramel, like... Yeah. Explosive. Vanilla, like explosive flavor palette. Yeah. yeah. This has got a lot of things going on. It has a lot. A lot going on. Like the caramel, the vanilla, just a little bit of floral, a butterscotch on the nose, um... I don't hate it. Love those little. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But like you said, we've had we've actually on the show even, and I'm sure in your your experience too, and in mine, we've probably had more cost efficient rivals. I would agree from a flavor yeah. side. Yeah, you know, I, I think they're so. getting some branding play, probably uniqueness and um, yeah. So you know, this the rarity is I think is one rarity, thing. Yeah. So in in thinking that through way through, awesome gift idea. Oh, yeah. If you can get a hold of this and gift it, yeah, it's an awesome gift idea because it has that sticker shock gift. Yeah, but it also has that, like you said, it has a good flavor, has good stuff. Like it's because I mean, you don't buy the value for a gift because then somebody's like, "Well, you spent twenty bucks on like it. a what trophy, you like, <laughs> yeah, found so, it, go yeah, ahead, so, throw it on your shelf." Yeah, I just sit there, maybe age another couple of years. I don't know. Uh, sorry, been twenty four. <laughs> so, but you're right. Yeah, if you throw it on the shelf and you have it, this may yeah. not be your like go to like nightly drink by the fire kind of thing. This is yeah. like special super occasion. special yeah. occasion yeah. or trophy or like right. seriously like just trophy. Those are those guys, you know. Hey, I've I've had anything. Show me something I haven't had. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Oh yeah, that might be something. Yeah, if you had somebody yeah. over here and was like, hey, right. Should, do you have anything here I hadn't seen? Well, let me pull this out. Probably have my that. stash. So, well, speaking <laughs> of overpaying, 
Yes, great transition. <laughs> we want to talk a little bit about escalation clauses and multi-offer situations on property. We have such a hot market. Uh, 2020, we most people predict into 2021, we're still going to see this, especially in areas like ours that have such low inventory. I can literally say the last three deals I've been personally involved in the last two months have been multiple offer situations. Yep. Um, or Absolutely. But specifically, I want to start with, if you're a real estate agent listening to this podcast and you're on any of the major Facebook groups, message boards, stuff, dude, there's been a ton of discussion over the last probably six months on those boards around escalation clauses, specifically escalation clauses. So for those of you that aren't listening or aren't in knowledge, escalation calls is when somebody says, I'm going to pay you 150 for your property, but if you get other offers, I will go up to 170 So certain situations for Causes it to increase and the property doesn't go out of contract. Well, I personally hate them. I won't lie. Because I'm a, I'm a seller listing agent a ton of times and I'm like, if you send me over that, the first thing I'm going to do is say I'm not going below your highest dollar amount. But... I do see a situation where it works. It's when you're talking about going above list price. Yeah. I could see that being a, a deal changer above list price, but... As a seller, what, now, Nick, do you initially seller, go you in there with the offer and say, all right, you're listed at 150. I'll yeah. give you 150, but if you get additional offers, I'm well, going to move I, my offer to 160. I think people are using it in a highest and best situation. They're putting the escalation clause in place in a highest and best. I can see that. Because at the same time, it's like, show me your other offer and I'm there. So it, you might like my terms better. Yeah, so or you if might you're going like, out yeah. for highest and best, okay, my highest and best is full asking. Mm-hmm. And if anyone else beats me, you know. By at, five grand, I'll go up to five at, grand, but I'm paying cash and they might be financing. You know what I'm saying? Like that might be the case. The other factor you might want to take into account though is really it can become situationally specific with sellers because, you know, you can have that mentality where it's like, well, I want your high, you know, I'm not going to accept that offer because you said you're going to here and that kind of thing. But if the buyer walks away because, oh no, I'm going to pay you this now because you don't have any other offers on the table, like your seller's got to decide, okay, do I take the risk and wait for another offer Mm -hmm. or do I go ahead and get under contract at this knowing I might close at this like am I happy with this so Chris so that's a scenario I haven't thought of on the real estate boards they almost all say I'm using escalation clauses to win highest and best so that's different than the scenario you just described Mm -hmm. so well and so you're using escalation to win highest and best but escalation only goes into effect if another offer comes in right you're kind of showing your, yes. your full I mean, hand. you're showing your full hand. Yeah, exactly. So your highest and best where... i got the capabilities and I'm willing to pay. Why yeah. wouldn't the seller just say, well, if you're willing to pay that, that's... Why won't you pay it table. now? Yeah. Right. Well, because you don't have any other offers on the table now. Like that's... I mean, the point of the escalation is that it's in case knowing the market and the market means, yeah. oh, we could have another offer come in while we're... But if they'll accept you at 150, once the contract... See, I don't think... Once the contract's signed, if they get another offer, it doesn't matter because you're locked in at that Full price. disclosure, I've never dealt with escalation clause. So I've never I've had never, offer. I've had one offer come into escalation clause and okay. I said, you got to remove it or we're not even do we have a Do we have a form no. for escalation? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. We may. I'm in our market, you might in your market. Oh, there are markets where I see it going on all the time. So I'm yeah. like on these, on you know, because yeah. we do get to see what other agents are doing nationally right. because of social media. I have not been involved, but I have been involved 
in multiple offers, and that's probably not a I bad. Think we're used to that here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're yeah. we're down to about a two two and a half month supply of inventory. Yeah. yeah. So I'm seeing things sell within hours, within yeah. days, mm-hmm. not within oh, weeks yeah. or months anymore. For sure. Um, and and that's you know given how well you priced it. Those that are testing the market, they're going to be on well, two and a half month supply. But we have enough. But we have enough pent up demand that even I mean I mean I've even seen some of those inflated priced properties go under contract because because there's nothing else out there and buyers yeah. are trying to come here and trying and to they're sell. saying I don't I want that property and within this range I don't care what I pay right that's basically what the buyers say when they send an escalation yeah our, our inventory is kind of like toilet paper back in March <laughs> hard to find so hard. you're willing to pay more for it <laughs> yes like, yes. Now with es- and with with escalation though, if you have a, if you have an escalation clause in there, Nick, because you dealt with it, you said you had an offer coming. Bare- in yeah, barely dealt. With okay, it, and yes. you didn't have any other offers on the table, right? No, we didn't. Okay, so why is, would is escalation? Well, I, well, I mean, I kind of heard why you feel like you wouldn't accept it, but you didn't have anything else either. And the buyer could just say, "Well, I'm not going to go forward." So now you, you you're back where you started. You don't have anything. Yeah. You don't have a contract. So. So but that's fine. That's preference of the seller. That's why I said it was kind of situational. But for our people that you're seeing on boards talking about in they uh, say they're winning deals, winning because of because of, because of it. So I guess because the seller still feels like they can get more. So maybe it's a psychology thing. Maybe it has nothing to do with the actual right. legalities or the does it make sense? It may have more to do with the seller's psychology. Like, all right, I'm going to accept this deal now, but then I still have the ability to increase my price in the event another offer comes in. But if the agent changes it, depending how many more offers are they getting? Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's some there's there's some pragmatic. Unless you're using it to win a highest and best where you're like, hey, this is my highest and best, but we'll go to this, which really in the highest and best today scenario. Like, basically, you're telling the listing agent, we'll match any highest and best offer. Yeah, I think you got to do escalation before so, highest and best. Yes. In lieu of highest and best. In lieu of highest and best. Maybe that's when it makes sense. Well, yeah. maybe it makes sense when you're trying to lowball. Maybe something's at 150 and say, listen, I'll give you 130. But if you really want to, you know, I'll, I'll, go, to, I'll go to 145. If but, I'll, Bill, if once, a, once, a, once a listing changes depending, how often do you show it or even consider making an offer on it? Yeah, even though we're, la- yeah. we're supposed to, you know, obviously we show, we submit all offers yeah. even if it's under contract. Yeah. Agent psychology. And even buyer psychology. It's under contract. Why yeah. do I even want to look at it? Right? Yeah. You know, like, I'll, I'll look at, maybe I'll make a call if it's yeah. contingent on something else being sold. Is there a kickout clause where we can enforce that? Yeah, the contingent, yeah. Um, different scenarios. But if it's pending cash terms. Yeah. And it's not super overpriced, or you know. Well, there's even there's even know, agents, like, unfortunately, out there in the market that when it's pending, either financing or cash, it doesn't matter if it's pending. Like they won't allow showings, you know, like they won't oh, book true. a showing and stuff like that. Even they're technically yeah. kind of supposed to till closing. But yeah, you're not doing um, client. Yeah, you're, you're not doing any client. Any, any, <laughs> yeah, because a, a, back back a backup offer is a backup offer anyway. Right. Yeah. Like a backup offer is a backup offer. So, but at the same time, I do understand. I understand in the highest and best scenario, if you send over an escalation clause, like basically, so maybe they shouldn't structure it or say it the way it should. Maybe it's, hey, in a highest and best scenario, I'm sending over my client up until this dollar amount will pay, match any other offer. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the way it should be worded. Yeah. Before it going under contract. I don't know. After it's under contract, I don't understand the point of having an escalation clause after it's under contract. 
Right. What, because how? Because your your chances of getting offers so slim. It's kind of like going to the auction. So if you're a listing at a dollar, if you're if you're a listing agent, why do you yeah. why do you even care? Yeah. Like at that point, you're like, once I turn this pending, I ain't getting any more offers. That's your psychology, right? In your right. head, and you got to remember too, highest and best. Now, I've, I've definitely experienced this, especially over the last like three years. I mean, there are many people buyers who do not. When, when, if somebody calls highest and best, they won't the they, they, they do it. Yeah, they're like, I'm not getting into a bidding war, so they back Absolutely. out totally. Yep. More than often, yeah. I would say. Yeah. yeah. So you unless have, it's like everything they wanted, they've exhausted all other opportunities. Yeah. Then they'll say, Listen, we'll, you know, let's go with 10 yeah. percent over asking. So that listing agent has to be very conscientious of advising their seller client that that could happen if we go to highest and best, versus maybe an escalation clause isn't in their best interest because. Um, it might net them more without calling highest and best and losing yeah. everyone yes, and everyone backing true. out of the, the situation. Yeah. Well, I think too, that's on the talent of the listing agent and being able to call the other agents and discuss with them. Yeah, yeah exactly what you mm-hmm. said. But I think there's some salesmanship there or some relationship building. Like if you know the agents on the other side, you're like, Hey, we're going highest and best. Like this seller, I really need you to come strong if you want it. You know, to touch on both those points. Um, I, I've been involved representing a buyer, multiple offers. We backed out. Well, the listing agent called me within 12 hours and said, you know, um, we'll reconsider your offer. Right. So now am I thinking they were bluffing with having us negotiate in front of the mirror yeah. with possibly submitting another offer or did everyone back out like you said? Yeah. And, yeah. okay, well, yours was the best offer or best terms. Uh, let's go ahead and accept that. Here's the other thing I don't like about escalation clauses. What triggers it? Yeah. So if it is under contract, you agreed on a price, they get another offer, but the terms might suck. Mm-hmm. And if the terms suck, they'd be like, well, you're never going to accept those terms anyway, but does the price automatically increase because the terms suck? Yeah. Like you're not comparing apples to apples. I yeah, think. I can so, see that. I can see that happening so. too. And like you said, negotiating against yourself so also not, yeah, not neg- a good situation yeah, as well. You never want that that <laughs> that ethical line. Hopefully, that listening agents or companies are doing. But also, uh, that reminds me with what I've experienced, and I've had this happen a couple times. Is then when the listing agent does come back around, and say, "Oh, we'll reconsider." You're like nothing else. We'll reconsider, and then my buyer's like. Well, they didn't get any, you know, they didn't put anything under contract. I like going about 5,000 less than I, that's how much. I, I mean, that happens so much too with buyers and you're like, and as a buyer's agent, I'm also like, oh, I don't I go back to them for less than what we originally, but you know what? It's, it's, it's frustrating. It, it's the power of negotiation. And honestly, I'm a big fan of shark tank. People mm-hmm. go there and they'll get an offer. And a lot of times, yeah. you know, they're putting up a shot clock, you know, say you got to say yes in the next 20 seconds yeah. or else my offer's off the table. Or, you know, they'll talk to somebody else and be like, you know what? I'm the only offer. Everyone else said no. Yeah. So now I, I, my money's I'm going worth down. More. Yeah. yeah. My down. money's worth more. Yeah. I yeah, want more definitely. equity or, yeah. you yeah. know, so that does happen. Yeah. There's a play on that. I, I can get that too. I don't, I don't, the negotiation part doesn't bother me. It's the, the automatic expectation of an escalation clause that bothers me bothers me like i said the terms might not be the same but now that seller's like oh i got an offer at that so that means these people come up to that and i'm like well we're not comparing apples to apples yeah and that and i assume now because we don't really deal with them in our market hardly ever i assume 
there's some type of disclosure requirement related to these. Like this is stuff I haven't researched. Probably none of us have researched because we're just talking about for the first time it's on new, our podcast. Yeah, it's a new um, game. I'm like, I assume there's some type of disclosure requirement where, you, okay, you show them the offer. Obviously you show, you show all mm-hmm. offers to sellers. So you show them the offer, but it's like, well, what, it seems like there's a lot of what ifs related to an escalation clause that I don't understand after game. it's under contract. Yeah. Before I get it, we're comparing all offers. Like, let's just figure it out. Like, that makes sense. But after, I'm trying really trying so, to understand. So it. yeah, as a listing agent, I think you got to explain and maybe portray the pros and cons, the goods, bads, and the ugly when you get such an offer. But if your seller accepts one with an escalation clause, you also got to explain to them just because you got a higher offer doesn't necessarily mean you're it escalated mm. because it may be a higher offer that has terms that are never going to be fulfilled yeah, something or it may have financing that's that never going to be fulfilled so we're assuming that this has some very detailed win yeah. so like if you're an agent and you're listening to this and you know and you you deal with escalation clauses and you i mean you have contracts your state or, or your area that you're used to it we would love for you to drop some knowledge yeah tell us how you deal listen. with them how often you deal with them yeah and tell us how, how they you work in your it. area like what are the legalities of it? Like, there, we brought up a lot of stuff we didn't have answers to today. Yeah. So, so how, how we so. can use it in our buyers? Um, yeah. And so, to kind of wrap this episode up, I think we should um, throw in something for somebody that may have listened to this entire episode. Absolutely. You're so escalating so, the uh, yes <laughs> value. So what? So what we're gonna offer? To any anybody that comments on this, and they got a comment and mention to us if we're not sending them a bottle of no <laughs> orphan barrel. <laughs> In your comment, you have to say something about orphan barrel and the if color you, of the scarf. And if you do that, we're gonna pick one or two Ooh. of them. Yes, one or because two of them. Scarf is our thing. That's it. Oh, I like that. The one. color of the yeah. Scarf. What yeah. was the color of the scarf? What was the color of the scarf? You say the on the, in, wait on the it's barrel in our episode. Yeah, it's in our episode on the barrel. I mentioned. Is it the, the same episode. as your scarf? No, it's not no, the same. it's it, but it's in the episode we talked yes. about at the beginning. Yeah. So if you mention that, well, we might pick one or two of you to come over to the Yates Pub with us and do a high end tasting Absolutely. of tequilas, whiskeys, bourbons, maybe wine. You must with show us. with the new bird. Pay for the Uber. Must show with the new bird. <laughs> <laughs> must yes, because of and don't take the back entrance, please. Because of logical, <laughs> logical, like um, we don't want anybody leaving here drinking and driving. We're gonna figure out a transportation method yeah. when you're hammered. On that no. Uh, cheers, everybody. Keep it classy. Yes, <laughs> we'll be drinking. <laughs>